0: It has been almost 62 years since one of the world's craziest unsolved mysteries happened. And of course, I'm referring to Dyatlov Pass. While there are many theories as to what has happened, no one is entirely sure what the truth is. As of 2020, the case was reopened and eventually closed when investigators claimed to have figured out what exactly killed a group of nine experienced Russian hikers in the northern Ural Mountains. Even though the case is closed again, there are still many inconsistencies with the final verdict and many people believe the evidence collected from the terrifying expedition doesn't quite match what authorities have claimed happened. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Tyler.
1: And I'm Tori.
0: I'm just going to start off by saying I apologize for any names or words I uh, pronounce incorrectly on this. I don't speak Russian. (laughs) Tori, have you ever heard of this incident?
1: I think I have, yeah.
0: How much do you know about it? like a lot a little
1: um I know that a bunch of hikers basically wound up dead in these like cold icy mountains and they were like tents ripped and dead bodies and really weird circumstances like some people think that it's a monster others are like no they just froze to death
0: yeah basically I mean summed up yes We're going to go a little bit deeper into that, but what I think is really fascinating is that they named this incident after the leader of the hikers. His name was Igor um, Diotlov. and after this happened, they decided to call it Dyatlov Pass, which was, like, the area that they were trying to explore and where they found him dead.
1: That's actually kind of messed up. A little bit. (laughs) Like, it would be one thing if he, like, rescued people there... But he died, like, horribly with all of these other hikers. Yeah,
0: all his friends.
1: Like, damn, you really want to name a passage after him?
0: 62 years later, still there. But let's get into it. On January 25th, 1959, a group of 10 people arrived in the small village of Ivdel, which is the last town before their journey began. There were eight men and two women. They were led by 23-year-old Igor Dyatlov, who was a radio engineering student and was an elite hiker and skier. In fact, all the 10 people selected for this 16-day expedition had a grade 2 hiker certification and ski tour experience. The saddest part about this whole thing, other than the death, is that if they were able to complete this expedition, they would have received the highest ranking Soviet Union hiking certificate possible, which was a grade 3 tier. Unfortunately, they never achieved it
1: bum bum bum
0: isn't that such a bummer though they were just like one expedition away from getting this high-ranking certificate and they never got it
1: that really does suck
0: yeah that's horrible that being said clearly these people are very experienced like they're just like one step away from like the final step of like you're a master hiker (laughs) (laughs) basically yeah It sounds silly, but it's actually quite intense. <laughs> so the group stayed in the village for a bit so they could, you know, sock up on supplies, and Igor sent out a letter to a sports club that was, like, kind of hosting and got them, like, the, uh, the permission from, like, the neighboring towns and the state saying that they could do this expedition. And their goal was to get to the Gora Orten Mountain, which was 6.2 miles north of where the actual incident occurred, and they were supposed to be back by February 12th. 16-day expedition. On January 27th, the group of hikers started their journey. One day into the hike, one of the men, Yuri Yudin, had to turn back. So Yuri was suffering from a congenital heart disease and joint and knee pain. So after one day into this hike already, he was like, peace out, guys. And he was the only survivor of this incident. Lucky man. Seriously. I, I, yeah. If you didn't have all these problems... He probably would have been one of the dead hikers as well.
1: Yeah, and I bet he was thinking all of those knee pains and all that stuff when the news came out.
0: I mean, maybe, but at the same time, he still lost nine
1: friends. True, but at some point, you always have to be like, oh, thank God I wasn't there. But then, why the heck wasn't I there? I could have helped and stuff like that as well.
0: Right. So now all the hikers kept journals, and some had cameras, which allowed investigators to get a good idea about what happened to them. But still, even with their written evidence and photos, there's still a lot of gaps. They wrote about how the weather was getting worse from a massive snowstorm, and it was getting harder to see where they were going. On February 1st, due to the storm, the group headed west and ended up at the top of a mountain known to the locals as Dead Mountain. Rather than making their way down the mountain to a forested area, they chose to stop and make camp on the mountain slope. Temperatures that night were about negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit, and the group shared one large tent that had a makeshift stove in it. And the stove was built by Igor, and there is this exhaust pipe in the stove that was leading out of, like, a small hole in the tent. So, you know, they didn't, like, fill in a bunch of smoke and die from that. But there were theories that some of them burnt themselves on the stove which kind of attributed to some of the later injuries that we're going to talk about in a bit. Okay. Weeks went by and eventually everyone started to worry. On February 20th, eight days after they said they were to return, Igor's sports club contacted the authorities and a search party went into full effect. Teachers and students from Igor's university, locals, and even the Soviet army all helped out trying to find this group of hikers. And on February 26th, six days after the search party was sent out, they found their first clue. They discovered the hiker's tent with all their belongings, clothes, shoes, food, and just about everything that they took up there. Investigators also noticed that the tent was torn to shreds from the inside, so someone took a knife and cut it open while they were inside the tent. And near the campsite, they found nine sets of footprints in the snow, some with shoes and some without. Less than a mile northeast of the tent, at the edge of the forest under a large pine tree, The rescuers found the remains of a small fire and the shoeless bodies of two men who were wearing only their underwear. Near the bodies were broken pine tree branches, and when the search party followed the trail of the broken branches, they discovered three more bodies. Investigators didn't discover the other four bodies until May 4th, almost three months later, and they were only 82 yards away from the bodies that they first discovered, and these four, when they did find them, were fully clothed.
1: Did they wait for the snow to melt more?
0: Yes and no. I think they were just having a hard time locating it because they were mapping out this area. And it's pretty dangerous terrain. You know, you're up in a mountain. There's like, yeah, some forest. And the wind on top of it was very brutal.
1: So that's how many people now?
0: That's all nine. They found five bodies on the 26th. And then four more bodies on may 4th got it one of the weirdest things about the bodies were the unexplained injuries one of the victims had several fractures to his skull while two others had major fractures to their chest none of the bodies showed any signs of external trauma the doctor examining the body described the force needed to cause the fractures as being comparable to a car crash or experiencing high levels of pressure one of the women however Oh,
1: so, like, no gashes or anything on their arm. Just, like, okay. So, no open wounds, just, like, broken bones. Yeah, it was like
0: someone, like, squished them, but nothing popped out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why he was saying, like, to get that type of, like, force to do something like that, it's comparable to a car crash or being somewhere where there's a lot of pressure, like, under the sea. The only person with external trauma was one of the women in the group, and she was missing her eyes her tongue, part of her lips, part of her face, and a fragment of her skull bone, and the skin on her hands absorbed a lot of liquid, most likely from the snow around her, and they were just completely swelled up and tore up from, like, the conditions, but her body was the only one found next to her creek, which I'll explain why that kind of makes sense in a bit.
1: That went to, like, I don't want to say a zero to 60, but broken bones to fully, like, mangled body, like, parts missing, sounds like she was eaten the most.
0: Right. Well, yeah, okay, so that's one of the theories, is that while her time there, you know, her body's absorbing a lot of liquid from the snow, and being next to the creek, she probably got a lot of moisture, and then on top of it, because she was next to the creek, one of the theories is that animals were picking her apart. Which would explain why she's missing eyes, her tongue, and some of those other pieces.
1: I didn't think animals would go for, like, the tongue and the eyes first. Maybe birds. I thought they would go, unless there were, like, vultures there or carnivorous birds, I don't think that they would have.
0: I think so. I mean, I'm sure there were vultures or something there. I mean, they're in the middle of, like, snowy mountains. I'm sure there's eagles and things.
1: If any of you guys know which animals in these snowy mountains could have done something like this, please comment.
0: Yeah, let us know, guys.
1: (laughs) You guys are probably more animal experts than I am.
0: Hundred (laughs) percent. Anyways, so at the time of the death, the cause of death for six of the members were hyperthermia. And that is confirmed. Six of them did freeze to death. But the other three were fatal injuries. Of course, this doesn't exactly explain the missing limbs or even the radioactivity found on two of the men's clothes. But when people asked authorities what happened to the hikers, they claimed it was, and I quote, a compelling natural force. And the case remained classified until the late 1970s.
1: A compelling natural force.
0: Yep, that is all they said. That they died because of some compelling natural force.
1: Sounds like a cover-up to me.
0: Exactly. And there's a whole list of conspiracies that go along with this because... (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: radiation on their bodies too.
0: Yeah, two of the, two of the men had radiation, and it was specifically found on their clothes.
1: Yeah, that is really weird.
0: Right, because you think if there's radiation, it would be on everyone.
1: Oh my god, maybe there's like an underground like nuclear base that Russia doesn't want anyone to know about. So that and only those two went.
0: That is a theory. <laughs> okay. Yes, which I'll get into a little bit later.
1: <laughs> I mean, I feel like every government has, like, a underground nuclear or, like, army base. Something the people want to know about, but the government's like, no, we don't have that.
0: Area 51.
1: Of course.
0: Exactly. <laughs> now let's get into the theories of what could have happened to them. One of the first theories was that some of the local indigenous people attacked them. However, this theory was thrown out after the um officials interrogated some of these indigenous people and there was no sign of a struggle at all like when they found the footprints leading away from their destroyed camp it wasn't in like a panic it was just calm in a line walking huh right so they weren't running from anything so now there's also the paradoxical undressing theory and this theory states that the hikers deaths were caused by hyperthermia, which can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing in which hyperthermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. We know that for a fact that six of the hikers died from hyperthermia. So maybe two of the men that were found naked were victims to paradoxical undressing and just stripped off all their clothes thinking, you know, my skin's burning, I need to get colder, ripped them all off and ran to the snow. Got lost in the snowstorm and then died. But that doesn't explain some of the other men that were found with, like, you know, the crushed ribs and all that force and stuff that destroyed them internally. <laughs> and then, of course, there goes to my favorite theory, which is that a Yeti killed the hikers. <clears throat> hey, babe, ask me if the abominable snowman called.
1: Did the abominable snow monster call?
0: Not Yeti. <laughs> I got that from How I Met Your Mother.
1: (laughs) Of course you did.
0: (laughs) It's a great joke.
1: So, what about this Yeti? I'm
0: not Yeti to talk about it yet. Okay, now I'm ready.
1: (laughs) Guys, we may or we may not have a podcast next week, depending on how many more jokes he can do.
0: Now, a supposed renowned doctor who... And I say supposed because he wanted to remain unnamed after he was mocked for suggesting this by his peers. But apparently this guy's very well known. He took a look at the medical reports and he thought something was completely off. And he even believes that some dangerous creature, which he assumes could be the Yeti, did this to these people. And the reason he doesn't think it's a bear is because they were all hibernating at this time.
1: And with trauma with, like, crushed ribs and, like, the head trauma and stuff like that, I would believe that.
0: Yeah, and if we want to say, like, the gouged-out eyes and the tongue that was missing, we could easily say that maybe this creature took the eyes and ate them or something. Who knows?
1: Ooh, yummy snack.
0: Yeah. The yeti theory still kind of holds up because even the indigenous people known as the Monzi, they have claimed to have seen this yeti on multiple occasions. And, you know, these people are just kind of living up in the mountains. Like, they're, you know, they're trying to stick away from um, the tiny little village at the bottom of the hill. And their name for the abominable snowman is the Menk. M-E-N-K. And in one of the journals that was found on one of the women, they found a quote that says, Lately, there has been a lively discussion about the existence of Yeti in scientific circles. According to the latest data, Yeti live in the northern Urals near... Mountain." Unquote. So even while these hikers are going up this mountain, they're talking about the existence of this creature. Hmm. There is also a photo on one of the cameras that shows this blurry big outline of something bipedal in the woods near them, which is suspected to have been a photo of the Yeti. Some people claim it could have been a bear, but again, bears were hibernating at this time, or even one of like the hikers that was just too far away. Now. Tori, I showed you this photo earlier today. What's your thoughts on it?
1: So, when I saw it, my thoughts automatically went to, oh, it's one of the hikers. Because it's so blurry and the fur or the coat of this figure is darker. And I always think of yetis with, you know, white fur because they want to blend into the snow. You know, kind of... Going into your surroundings and all that stuff so I think you also showed me a picture of the whole group and I even pointed out a few and I'm like okay like at a distance blurry like these jackets are puffy enough that they could be the Yeti and <laughs> with like a hood up or something like I didn't personally think that it could be the Yeti
0: yeah and I totally agree with you because it definitely looks like it could be a hiker the only weird thing about the photo other than the fact that it's blurry and you can't really tell anything is that its arms look non-human to me they look almost kind of shriveled up a little bit and when i think of the yeti i don't know i guess i kind of think of like you know bigfoot big muscular monkey thing but who knows going on with the yeti theory there have been countless sightings of the yeti and bigfoot in russia and they still happen to this day they were happening back then they were happening before this incident happened and it still happens so maybe it wasn't the yeti, maybe it was Bigfoot.
1: Technically there are theories that the Yeti is actually a Bigfoot just up in the mountains.
0: Yeah, or different subspecies or something, you know? Yeah. There's not just one, there's a bunch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they all go in different territories. Yeah,
0: you gotta reproduce also, so there has to be more than one.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Whole family of Yetis.
0: Now the next theory we're gonna talk about is the military testing nearby. So this theory states that the hikers woke up to a loud explosion or bombardment of explosives-slash-rocket testing and struggled to put their clothes on, which explained why some of them were naked. In the panic, they cut open the tent from the inside and ran, but naturally didn't last long due to their lack of supplies. This theory would also show how they got radiation on their clothes due to, you know, explosives being around.
1: But again, only two of them getting the radiation?
0: Exactly. And we also know that no one ran from the camp they walked and you'd have to think there's missiles coming at you you're gonna be running not walking the other weird thing was that we did not find any evidence of explosions on the mountain you know there's no craters and there's no metal left behind from the rockets or explosives or anything so it doesn't quite make sense and even the damage to the bodies that did happen doesn't match an explosive. Now, there is reports of a secret Soviet base in the area that were doing radiation tests. So maybe two of the hikers got too close to something, or maybe in terms of the radiation, they were exposed to radiation before they went hiking, and somehow residue stayed on their clothes. I don't know. But... The theory that there's a secret base and that the uh, Soviet Union was covering all this up because they didn't want their base exposed, I think is pretty probable.
1: Oh yeah, every government, if something bad happens that's due to one of their bases or experiments or whatever, they always want to cover it up.
0: Right, again, and I go back to Area 51. It's the same reason why they don't have any civilians go to Area 51. Civilians can enter other army bases, assuming they have the proper clearance and everything, but that's the one that's, like, nah, top, top secret stuff.
1: Well, technically, Area 51 is supposed to be a more scientific base, where all of the other ones are not.
0: Who knows? But even then, the government didn't acknowledge the existence of Area 51 for a long time, which also adds to the conspiracy theories. of course. There was another photo of this incident of some sort of orange light, that one of the people caught on their camera. And let me show you what this looks like. So in this photo, you literally just see a blurred light and what's supposed to be the night sky. But the thing is, it's too blurry. And that could have easily been like, I don't know, a flashlight or like a torch or something, you know?
1: Yeah. I... Or if their cameras had flash.
0: Well, 59. I don't know. I'm assuming there's some sort of flash. Possibly. Yeah. may not be that great, but... But yeah, so, yeah,
1: but it could have easily been something else.
0: Exactly. And so in this photo, they're saying that it was one of the missiles coming at them. And they just snapped a photo of it. But there's another theory. And this is where we get into aliens. Because, oh, of course. Yes, naturally. Because a few days before the hikers left on their trip, there were a lot of reports of this orange sphere flying through the sky. And a lot of people witnessed this, and even some of the hikers heard about it. This could be a photo of a orange-orbed UFO coming at them. And the UFO theory does also kind of explain some of the radiation. Two of the bodies that are found looked kind of mummified. When I showed you some of the photos earlier, they were all shrunken in, and they were the only bodies that looked kind of like mummies and their skin turned orange and their hair were white and they were in the same conditions as the other bodies
1: were they able to identify which corpse was which or if they were all in fact part of the hiker group
0: yes they were able to identify all the bodies correctly i did not include the names because i did not want to mess up their russian names
1: (laughs) yeah but i was just thinking i'm like If they technically couldn't get, because I don't know how well, like, DNA worked back then, Mm -hmm. so maybe something could have messed up, and, like, maybe those two bodies that had the sunken in, like, faces and eyes and looked more mummified, like, maybe they could have been two other hikers from, like, years prior or something like that, and then maybe those two hikers were actually alive to this day living in the mountains with the indigenous people
0: my god yeah theory but um yes they were all properly identified and they all belong to the group of nine that went out so now let's get into the most common theory which i think is the most crap theory in my opinion (laughs) and this is the one that everyone has a problem with because they're like none of this evidence lines up to it so the authorities even though the case reopened in 2015 and closed in 2020 all state that an avalanche did all this. And their theory is that an avalanche happened in the middle of the night, and they all ran out of the tent, got separated in the dark, and froze to death.
1: And yet, nothing was buried under snow. Exactly. There were so footprints to be seen. And because they were able to see these footprints, they know that it was like a single-file line calmly walking out of the tent.
0: Yes. And even the four bodies they found almost three months later in May weren't even buried in that deep of snow. And that was because, at this point, three months had passed. That doesn't account for broken ribs, missing eyeballs, ripped out tongue, radiation. And if there was an avalanche, again, all this stuff would have been buried and they would have been searching much longer.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess I could see the broken ribs being, like, through an avalanche. Like, if their bodies were, like bruised and broken bones and all of that stuff because in an avalanche it's powerful one right and things can you know get stuck in it like i don't know trees (laughs) sure and knock into them and cause that much damage but again nothing else really adds up
0: yeah and i think again even with an avalanche there would be a lot more external damage yes you know I I don't know. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm not a medical professional. But I just think there would be more damage in an avalanche. And not to mention that they weren't buried under a bunch of snow. So like I said, after the case was reopened in 2015 and closed in 2020, avalanche was still the... I'm sorry. It was a snow slab avalanche was the cause of it. And a snow slab is when the snow underneath them kind of like falls out and then it gets replaced by like another slab of snow. But... I I don't buy it. I, it makes zero. It doesn't make sense to me.
1: I like aliens and the uh, the government testing better.
0: Right. I would one hundred percent believe a government conspiracy or cover up. Like they've stumbled upon some site or something or a yeti, more than an avalanche. I know an avalanche is the most realistic thing, but it doesn't support <laughs> what happened.
1: <laughs> Yeah, especially in I believe that was Soviet Russia at the time too. Right. Which even in bigger cities, people died mysteriously, vanished, and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and not a very good
1: period of time.
0: And you have to think there's only thing nearby are a small village of indigenous people, a town at the bottom of the mountain, and it's a small town. It's not even that big, and that's it.
1: Yeti is in a mountain cave. Yep.
0: The, and honestly that'd be the perfect place for a government facility because it's in the middle of nowhere so the Love pass has inspired countless things in the media there are a bunch of different documentaries conspiracy theories with like UFOs, yetis and even a movie called devil's Pass that was made in 2013. i kind of i think i've seen this movie before it sounded familiar when i read the name but it's basically what the writer thinks happened to a modern-day version of the nine people that died. It's supposed to be like a modern-day thing, but what they kind of experienced. The only thing we know for sure is that six people died of hyperthermia, three died of some mysterious injuries, and Yuri, the lone survivor, he lived a full life and died at the age of 75 on April 27, 2013, still never knowing what happened to his friends. So, Tori... What do you think happened
1: like i said i would believe the government conspiracy and aliens but then i would also believe the yeti and like if there were drinks up there like if they brought booze
0: so okay that was one of the other things i read about none of them brought liquor or cigarettes or anything because they knew with the higher elevations it was going to affect them like these were experienced hikers and they wanted a clear head And then there was also, at one point I read an article saying that maybe two of them were naked because they were, you know, flirting and, you know, getting intimate with one of the girls, but then that made zero sense either because they all shared one tent. (laughs) And also the girls weren't found naked.
1: So then that basically counts my theory of some of the guys did a stupid dare when they were drunk or under the influence to bother a Yeti, and then the Yeti tore them apart.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was that. <laughs> <laughs> but I also saw there was a theory about um, Arctic Dwarves, but I couldn't find much about that.
1: Arctic Dwarves? Yeah,
0: that there was, um, you know, or Trolls was another one, that there were, like, mountain trolls in the in the area.
1: This is saying something. When I would believe a mythical creature killed them and tore them apart over a avalanche.
0: Yeah. Well, again, not all of them were torn apart. It was just the two that had, like, the crushed ribs and, like, crushed on the inside. And then the girl that had all pieces of her missing, which.
1: Again, it's so weird because if you would think, like, bears are hibernating during that time, I don't know what other carnivorous animals would be there. Like, there are.
0: Could have been, like, a squirrel or something. I don't know. Maybe some deer. Hey, your cat or dog will eat you if you're dead long enough and they don't have food.
1: Yeah, but again, they're carnivorous. True. Squirrels are not carnivorous. That's nuts. They're herbivores. Uh, At the end of the
0: day, I'm going to go with government cover-up or a yeti. And even then, the yeti didn't kill all of them because six of them died of hyperthermia, and that is confirmed.
1: And then animals picked apart that one girl that was by the lake.
0: Yeah, most likely. Or by the water all right everyone thank you for tuning in this week's episode sorry we were on a two-week hiatus we had a lot of stuff with the holidays
1: yeah we really tried to get episodes out but it just did not work out oh yeah
0: no we were too busy so we are sorry guys but we're gonna get back (laughs) in the swing of things with weekly episodes again and uh now you're gonna be able to find the podcast on google Podcasts and stitcher as well as spotify and apple podcast expanding (laughs)
1: my god expanding our horizons
0: exactly all right everyone we will see you next week
1: see ya